0: Thank you for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's notes, you can find them on the on demand page of WalkingByFaith.tv or on our app. Happy Father's Day! Today, Pastor Duane is giving a great message on the importance of fathers. Let's jump right in to follow suit.
1: We'd like you to open your Bibles in 1 Corinthians. Uh, For those of you that that, uh, have not studied your Bible much, um, part of the Bible, the the New Testament is the part that deals with us as New Testament believers since Jesus has come. And part of this, the, the, the New Testament, is letters that are written to either churches or to individuals. There's a couple of books, that are called Timothy. They're letters that were written to Timothy, Titus. Letters that were written to a pastor named Titus. The book of Corinthians we're going to is a letter that was written to the church in the city of Corinth. Uh, They're written by a guy named Paul, who is an apostle, which simply means he's a church planter. Now, when we look at this, we say, well, Paul wrote this. How do we look at this book of Corinthians? How do we even look at our New Testament, at our Bible? Well, in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. I want you to look at me a moment. Now, what that means is that each Scripture has one interpretation. Now, there are a few prophecies that are double reference, but each Scripture has one and just one interpretation. So it doesn't mean one thing to Jeannie and one thing to Elle and something else to me. There's one true interpretation. However, there are a million applications. So the way that I apply it in my life may be different than the way Jeannie applies it or Diane applies it. But the truth, the interpretation, there's one. Then verse 21 says, "'For prophecy never came by the will of man, "'but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So it's saying Paul was used by God to write that letter to Corinth that you find in your Bible. And it's not Paul's thoughts that we're reading, but it is God speaking through him. In 2 Timothy, it explains it like this. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed. It is God speaking to you and to me. It's youthful in one way or another. It shows us truth. And as you probably know, we are living in a society that does not believe in absolute truth. But there is absolute truth. And Jesus said, your word is truth. It exposes our rebellion, corrects our mistakes, trains us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the task God has for us, so it's not just the words of some man. It is actually God breathed, God speaking to you and to me. Uh, one of the letters that Paul wrote was to the church at Thessalonica, and he's talking to them about how do you receive the Bible? And he says, and we all we we thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. You accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God. We're living in a culture today where if you said the Bible says, many people will just say, well, Oprah said, and put what Oprah said equal to what the Bible said. Now let me just say, Oprah in every other person is flawed, but God is not. He is perfect, he's holy, and he changes not. Now, we need to receive it, just like the Thessalonians did, not as a word from a man, but as a word from God. Now, as he's writing this letter to, to the Corinthians, the Corinthian church is about three years old. Now, that's pretty new for a church, and and I was putting this message together this week I was thinking about the time Jeannie and I were missionaries in Mexico, and I was uh, sent along with another pastor to a church that was celebrating their third anniversary. Now, it's interesting. What we did is we had church for 24 hours straight, nonstop, 24 hours. I think I preached in there six times. And they just we just kept on going and praised and then somebody preached and praised and somebody preached. And at night, because there was no electricity in this village, uh, we had brought a generator. I had brought a movie projector, uh, some Christian movies, and Jeannie had put together some sheets to make a, a pantalla. What is a pantalla? A screen. So so we got the screen up and we got the the, the generator going, I got the movie projector going. And, and uh, my, my pastor friend, my mentor, who's with me, his favorite movie is called The Burning Hell. Right? And it was put together by some Baptists. And it's about these two guys who see a pastor and they, they, they kind of blow him off and, and really just reject the gospel. They go out on their motorcycles and they get killed and they go to hell. And they're in hell and demons are chasing them. And so that's his favorite movie. And so I like, I'm, you know, he said, play that movie. So I got that movie on. Now we're in this village. Now listen, nobody, there's no electricity. Nobody's ever seen the television. Nobody's ever been to a movie. Nobody has ever seen a, a, a computer screen. I mean, this is like totally new. And we are showing the movie. The guys die. They're in hell. Demons are chasing them. And all of a sudden a lady goes, And when she did that, about a hundred other people started going, ah, we don't want to go to hell. Ah! help. Like for a pastor, this is like, you know, jumping fish, jumping in your boat. <laughs> so I stopped the movie. All right. And I preach a little sermon, pray with everybody. You know, and they get saved. And you say, well, you, you do. You're like scared the hell out of them. That's not going to work. <laughs> but, but I'm telling you, it worked. All right. I mean, literally, we doubled the church. All right. And uh, went back there. I probably, last time I was there was 15 years ago. And I mean, it stuck. It had nothing to do with my sermon, but I was, I was thinking about three years old. That's, yeah, that church was three years old. Okay. So there's, there's three things There's three things that were very much true in Corinth that are true where we are today. They're true in the culture that you and I live in. One of the things was they considered themselves to be very intellectual. Secondly, they were very prosperous, a very prosperous city. And then thirdly, they were a very immoral city. In fact, in Corinth was the temple for Epaphrodites, and there were a hundred, excuse me, a, hundred, a thousand prostitutes in the temple. And part of worship was having sex with a prostitute. Uh, if you were an immoral person, they would actually say, you Corinthian, you, you, you Corinthian. It was just kind of like a slang. You know, back in, <laughs> in the first century, it would, this, they, they would say, you know, what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. You kind of get it. I mean that, that's the, that is what that was the city that's what it was like so the church writes Paul who had started the church a letter and he responds in fact they actually wrote him three letters and he responded three times one of them has been lost but the other two are in your Bible and they're called first and second Corinthians so he's responding to their questions and and uh, they're they're He's trying to bring correction. And he says in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14, he says, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. He doesn't wanna condemn them. He doesn't want them to feel feel unworthy or, or guilty, but he loves them, he wants to lift them, he wants to help them, he wants to encourage them, he wants to warn them, and he wants to bring correction in order. So in verse 15, he says, and though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. He says, you might have 10,000 teachers, but not many fathers. Uh, Today, we're living when there is all kinds of Information out there. In fact, uh, if you listen to a sermon on YouTube, how many of you know? That next thing you know, fifty more show up. I mean, to find ten thousand voices today is not hard. I see. Paul says, look, you need more than a voice. He says, you need a father. You need relationship. You need somebody who's reaching out to you. And he says, I became your father spiritually when I came, shared the gospel with you. I reached out to you, you received Christ, you became disciples of Christ, I spiritually became your father. And by the way, we have natural fathers, we have spiritual fathers, and we have a heavenly father. Now he says, in the next verse, he says, Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. It's interesting that Jesus said that when a disciple is fully trained, he becomes like his teacher. You know, when you're parenting, your goal is for your kids to become like you. I mean, no, that's scary. That's really, but that is supposed to be the goal of parenting. And so Paul, as a spiritual parent, he says, look, imitate me. In another place, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. He says, the thing you've seen in me, the things that you've seen me do. He said, look at my life. Look at the results of what has happened in Hebrews 13 It says this: Remember those who rule over you, who spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. So you know this: this church, we exist only to do two things. That's all we exist for. We exist to win souls and to make disciples. And when we're deciding what we're going to do and what we're not going to do, we say, Does it win souls? Does it make disciples? If it doesn't win souls and doesn't make disciples, we are not taking our energy and our resources and going in that direction. So Paul is saying to them, you look at me. I'm a kingdom person. I put God first. You know, as a kingdom person, we we, want to do our marriage the kingdom way. We want to raise kids our kingdom way. We want to forgive the kingdom way. We want to give the kingdom way. We want to win souls the kingdom way. We want to do everything the kingdom way. Now, Paul, talking to Titus, excuse me, to Timothy, he said, "In the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He says, you know, you've seen me do things, you've heard things from me. He said, what you've seen, what you've heard, pass that on to somebody else. You know what he's doing to faithful men? He's saying, make disciples. Don't just have the truth, but pass that truth on. Make disciples. And really what he's saying to Timothy, he calls Timothy his son. He said, my faithful son, because spiritually he's become his father. He's saying to Timothy, you do the same thing. You pass on to other people and you become a spiritual father to them. Uh, How many of you remember the first cell phones? I, I know some of you cannot remember life without a smartphone. But I actually remember before cell phones, some of you do. I remember when we had a phone and, and it sat on the counter. And then we really got, went up in the world and it hung on the wall. And I remember the day that we got a 20-foot extension cord on that thing. And you could walk around with the phone. And man, you were, that we were I mean, you were cool. You take your phone, you could walk over to the other part, do dishes, and talk on the phone at the same time. You're just, Huh. Oh. It was awesome. And then the bag, sh- bag phone showed up. About this big. Had a battery. You know, you'd carry that. If somebody had a bag phone, they were like, oh, my goodness. They are so cool. They are important. Now, you had to remember you didn't use it much because it was expensive. It was like $3 a minute. Use that bag phone. And a battery, it didn't last very long. You know, a big old zipper, and you'd have to zip it up. Just for emergencies, I think it was the late '80s. I got a car phone, Now and, and they didn't get great reception. They they had an antenna, but when you had a car phone, you're cool. You go up to a stop sign, you just pick it up and act like you're talking. I mean, you just, you were so cool. Yeah, you had, a, you had that, that, that that car phone. Well, then after that, you know, we 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 got smaller phones, and then finally, we got smartphones. I remember a few years ago, I was a little upset. You know, there was somebody there on their phone, the whole service. And I said, Jenny said, they're on their phone. She said, they're taking notes. I said, oh. She said, they have their Bible on their phone. I didn't have mine on my phone back then. Nowadays, you know, you got your Bible on your phone. You're, you're, you're tweeting. You're, you're taking notes. You get all sorts of information. Great advantage. I mean, they can really, really be a blessing. Right now, Thousands and thousands of people are going to watch this message on their phone. We get to do social networking. Let me just say this. There's a lot more information out there, but there's a lot less relationships. You know, you post something, you get a a hundred likes, but you know what? You don't really have relationships. Another thing with the technology today, we've got our gadgets. It's so easy to become vicious towards one another. Right? and verbally assault people because you're hiding. Nobody sees you. But that has really bled over into our society. And it's not just what's happening online anymore. But so often the relationships that we have, they're superficial. I was sitting in a restaurant a while back talking with somebody. This was when we still could go to restaurants, remember, right? Okay. <laughs> Remember what restaurants say? You know, we're sitting there. There's a table not far away. There's six people there. Every one of them's on their phone. They're not. They're not talking to each other. They're not looking at each other. They're just they're watching them. I'm like, man, you know, this is this is not helping us build relationships. Now, the same thing is true when it comes to fathering. There's a lot of voices. There's a lot of information. Paul said, you do not have many fathers. And unfortunately, many of us have disconnected from our fathers because of something they did, because of something they didn't do, uh, something that we think happened. How many of you realize that, that sometimes your memories as a child, are a little bit distorted? You know, there's, there's people here, you wounded by a father, who abandoned you. You're wounded by a father who said things to you that, that just went down. In fact, the Bible says there's one that pierces, who speaks, and their words pierce like a sword. They say something, and it, it just penetrates into your being. You, you, you might be 50 years old, but you remember something that happened when you were seven, something that was said to you, something that was done to you, and it wounded you. Most people, Have father wounds, if not all. God designed the father relationship for your growth, for your good, for your connection, for impartation, and for blessing. That's what it's designed for natural fathers, spiritual fathers, and our heavenly father. There's supposed to be a spiritual transference that takes place from our father to us. Now, the relationship with her mother is great, but it can't take the place of a relationship with her father. And the devil tries to pervert the process through which God meant for there to be blessing and impartation that comes to us. Uh, I, I believe with, to, totally that Satan tries to wound people in their relationship with their father, particularly when they're young and the devil works overtime to distort that relationship. And our attitude here towards our Father, it really needs to change. And and I think where it shows us what we need to do is actually the last verse in the Old Testament. The Bible's divided into an Old and New Testament. It's New Testament Christians. That's the part that speaks to us That's where we need to spend the majority of our time. But the last verse in the Old Testament is actually looking forward to the last days that we live in today. Last verse, looking forward to the last days. And it says, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. What God's going to do through the Messiah, turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Least I come and strike the earth with a curse. You know, when there is not that right relationship, it brings a curse. Where God meant for it to bring a blessing and impartation. In America today, one out of four children live in a fatherless home. Fatherless households are at four times greater risk of poverty. Fatherless households in America, (laughs) the youth are, the, the, the child that grows up in that household is seven times more likely to end up in prison than if they grew up in a household with a father. They're seven times more likely to have behavioral problems, nine times more likely to run away and become homeless, eight times more likely to commit suicide, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen, more likely to face abuse and neglect, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, and twice as likely to drop out of school. It's just not a thing that we see in the spiritual realm. It affects the natural realm that we live in. And what I want to do in the remaining moments that I've got is I want to give you hope from Scripture and give you direction from Scripture. Now, some of the things are instantaneous, but some of the things are process. Some things can happen just like that, but other things are always process. So, number one, I'm going to give you four points in 12 minutes. Here we go. Allow God to heal your father womb. Almost everybody has a father wound. And you say, why is that? Because fathers are not perfect. But with the way, how many know people aren't perfect? And fathers aren't perfect. And again, the devil tries to magnify when there's a problem, whether it's in our spiritual life or our natural father. And the effect is really disproportional. Now, when Jesus came and gave really his mission statement in Luke chapter 4, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Number one, Jesus came to preach the gospel. Number two, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To heal the brokenhearted. See, when, when we're broken on the inside and we go th- into situations We do not have the strength that we need to get through. It describes this in in Psalms 31. And let me just give you one of the phrases. He says, I am like a broken vessel. I'm like a broken vessel. So if, if I've got a vessel here and I pour water in it, if it's intact, it keeps the water. But if it's broken, the water leaks out. And when we are broken in our heart, we have a wound in our heart, Somebody can pour into us, and it just leaks out. And no matter how much they do, no matter what they do, if we're broken enough, it doesn't make any difference because what happens is the thing just keeps on leaking out. Um, This is described in Proverbs 30. Let me read the scripture here. It says, under three things the earth trembles. Under four it cannot bear up. A slave when he becomes king, a fool when he's filled with food, An unloved woman when she gets married. Now, it's true about an unloved man just as much as it is about an unloved woman. But it says the earth can't bear up an unloved woman when she gets married. Now, it's not necessarily that she's unloved because we know God loves all of us. But when you don't believe your love and you don't believe you have value. And let me just tell you something. I don't care what anybody said to you. You have value because you are created in the image and likeness of God. You don't have value because of your education, because of your job, because of what you possess. You have value because you're created in God's image. And this is what Jesus said in John 17. He said that you have loved them even as you have loved me. In other words, God loves you exactly the same as he loves Jesus. No less, no less. You know, God practices what he preaches. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's why God loves you exactly the way that he loves Jesus. But when you're wounded and you don't believe that you're loved, you don't believe you have value. And the Bible's talking here, you get married, so, so what do you do? You doubt that person. That person says, I love you, you don't believe it. That person does something, but you don't receive it. And you're constantly doubting that person. You know, they're gonna leave me, they're looking at somebody else, they're interested in, they, they, they don't value me. And you constantly, no matter what that person does, it's never enough, because you're broken and it leaks out. And they do something else and they say something else, but you can't receive it because you're broken and it leaks out and it leaks out, and it leaks out. So so Jesus came so we wouldn't leak. He came to heal the brokenhearted. Now, this is what people say. People say time heals all. I want you to listen. That is not true. Time enables us to build up walls so we won't let people touch that area of our life. But time doesn't heal it. But Jesus came, he came to heal broken hearts. And above all, I think he came to heal that that father wound. Now, others of you, you've been abandoned. Some of you, you've had people say things to you that pierced you like a sword. Those are the things Jesus came, he came to heal. Uh, Back in 2001, there was a book written called Wild at Heart. It talked about uh, kind of why guys are a little bit wild. A little wilder, what they, they take to take some risks, you know. Uh, we just had two of our grandsons, ten-year-old, ten-year-old grandsons, stay with us for a few days. Oh, he smokes! I know their brains are not totally formed, but my goodness, if I told you some of, I cannot even tell you some of the stuff that they did. They want, they want to blow everything up. They want to kill everything. I mean, like they are, they are like wow. But he talks about that in the book. But then he talks about the wound that we can have, a father wound that we can have. And basically what it says, I don't want to oversimplify, but he said there seem to be men going two directions. Some become passive because they don't feel competent and they don't feel complete because somehow they missed receiving that blessing from their father. Others become overly aggressive. They're kind of like, don't mess with me. I'm the man. I said that's what we're going to do. It's because of a wound that we've received. Isaac had two sons in the Bible. Uh, Esau, he was that tough, hairy hunter guy. His brother, Jacob, he was soft. He liked to just hang around the tents, and he, he liked to cook. But when it came time for the blessing to be given, Jacob pretends to be his older brother to steal the blessing. He so wanted his father's blessing he so wanted his father's approval and wanted him to speak those positive words over him. Uh, when Jesus was baptized, God spoke from heaven. And he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well-placed. See, that's what we need from our father. We need to know that he's well pleased that he's proud of us. We need to know that he loves us, my beloved son. And we need to know this relationship, that we are that son, that we're connected. So first of all, we need to have that that wound on the inside. We need to have that wound healed. And uh, I'd like you to just bow your head for just a moment. I want to pray, and then we're going to finish this message. Father, I pray right now that you would come, that Jesus would come, and that he would heal broken hearts, that he would heal father wounds and wounds that people have received because they were abandoned, because of words that were spoken that went down and pierced their hearts. We pray for healing, the healing that only Jesus can do to heal broken hearts, to make us whole, In Jesus' name, amen. Number two, forgive and honor your earthly father to receive the blessing and impartation God wants you to receive. Now, God gives 10 commandments. The first four of those commandments are how we deal our relationship with God. The next six are how we deal with each other. The first one of those six is honor your father and mother. That your days may be long upon the earth, which the Lord your God is giving you. Now, you don't honor them because they were perfect. You honor them because of who they are. They're They're your parent, they're your father, and you honor them. So you decide, I'm gonna forgive if they've done something, and I am going to honor them. Number three is find a father, be a father. Find a father, and be a father. For some of you, you can get involved in youth and you can be a mentor or you can go to children's church and if you have no idea really where do I fit, we have growth track coming back in October to help you find your place. In uh, Psalm 68, it says, a father to the fatherless. God says, I will be a father to you and we're gonna talk about that in a moment, how we need to relate to God as our father. But we need... To have a father, and we need to be a father. So I remember my, my, my dad died when I was uh, 22 years old, and I was kind of fatherless. And, and I found a father. And uh, my father was Benancio Hernandez, an Otomi Indian. Uh, he was about four foot 10, four foot 11, 220 pounds. And uh, when we met, I was 24 years old, and I think he was 68. And uh, I learned more from him about ministry than I did in getting a Ph.D. Um, he he absolutely poured into me, but so much of it was just being with him, association. And I want to say this: I initiated a relationship. We got a couple pictures of him. Can you pop those guys up? Oh, there's my son Daniel excuse me, Joshua with Benancio. Joshua's Josh probably at that age. He's probably about five foot seven. So you can see Benancio wasn't all that tall. All right. But he was big. He was big on the inside. And I think we've got one more picture. We're at his house after church. And uh, that's Jeannie. And that's me over there eating a tortilla. The guy with the curly hair. I had, I had hair when I was 25. I actually had hair, but we're sitting in the kitchen and after church and, and, uh, and we're talking. So I initiated that relationship. If you'll notice with Jesus, Jesus initiated every one of those relationships. Every one of his disciples was called. He called them. They didn't go to him and say, I want to join up. He actually went after them. And sometimes in that relationship, you can initiate it. Other times, uh, you 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 need to to wait and somebody have somebody call, or you need to do the calling. But again, God's word was, "This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased." He loved him, he had relationship with him, he believed in him, and he was proud of him. And then, lastly, quickly relate to God as your heavenly father. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, "Our Father, who art in heaven." In fact. Jesus' favorite term for God is Father. He is our Father, and we're his children. And as I said, he loves every one of us. Jesus said in John 17, have loved them as you have loved me. God wants relationship. And the truth is, the reason Jesus came was so we could have a relationship with the Father. So I'd like everybody right now lift up your hands. Now I want you to look up to heaven and go, Happy Father's Day! Happy Father's Day! He is our heavenly Father. And He's good. The Bible says every good gift, every perfect gift, comes down from the Father of light, in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. In the natural, your Father may not have been good. But our heavenly Father, He is good. And there is no variation. There's no bad days. See, I want you to make a decision to, number one, be healed. Decide that you will honor your father. Decide to forgive him if you need to forgive him. And decide to find a father and to be a father. And decide today to relate to God as your heavenly. See, I want to thank you for being on the program with me. Do you know the Bible says that we should know that we have everlasting life? Many people simply assume, well, I know about God and I'm right with God. And I hope when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. But the Bible says, know that you have. You need to know you're forgiven, know you're right with God. You say, how can I do that? Because God can't lie. He said, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you're away from God today or you don't know where you stand with God, and you say, I want to be right with God today. I want to pray this prayer with you. I want to call on the name of the Lord the way the Bible tells us to. And the Bible says will be saved. So I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer from your heart out loud. Just say, oh, God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again, and I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. He is my king. Jesus is my Lord. I thank you. You've heard my prayer. I'm forgiven. I'm right with God. I'm on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, God heard that prayer if you prayed that prayer from your heart and you are right with God. Now, I wrote a book to help you keep on growing spiritually. I want to send it to you free of charge. Now, there's information on your screen. You can download that book free of charge or you contact us and we will give it to you free of charge. We want to be a blessing to you. Thank you for being with us. God bless you. We love you.
0: If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne. You are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly, or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Walking by Faith is reaching the world with the truth of God's word on and off the air. Right now, we have an awesome opportunity to double your impact. Due to the generosity of some of our partners, we have a matching gift of $300,000. We wanna make it easy for you to become a partner with us. Now you can text RESGIVE to 94000 and select Walking by Faith in the drop-down menu. You can also give on our website or on our app. Thank you so much for helping us send God's word around the world to change lives every day. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and on your favorite social platform by searching for WBF TV. Also, check out our app in your favorite app store. You can download past sermons, follow along with notes, speak confessions over your life, and so much more. Take some time this week to appreciate the fathers in your life. Be blessed, and we'll see you again next time.